0: Welcome to Identity Matters Podcast. Hi, my name is Steve Finney, and I will be your speaker today. Every believer needs to understand who they are in Christ. and our new series, Identity Theft, will do just that. Help each believer truly know who they are in Christ. Thank you for joining us. You know, I hate the identity thief. He is deceiving, he's conniving, he's subtle, but the problem that many of us experience on a day-to-day basis is we expect him to work the most in overt circumstances. We really don't expect him to be the greatest, the master of deception. At Covert, we are on number 138 in our identity matter series. But within this series, we have a topic that we are going through a mini series we're going through called identity theft, and this is number six, I believe, on our identity theft series. And I would really, really encourage our listeners to go back and listen to the first five because they are very, very progressive in what we are revealing about the covert and overt tactics of this thief. The word tells us that he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So, what is he killing? Yeah, sometimes it's human life, but the reality is the sovereignty of God reveals to us that no one dies before their hour. So He can attack your body, He can attack your mind, He can attack you in many different ways, but God will not release control of your body until the hour that's been appointed for you. And we have circumstances that go on in our lives that God does reveal that to us. For some of us it's on a regular basis. You see, God is in control of who is going to die and who is going to be killed. Now, what does that really mean then? What is he killing? What is he stealing? And what is he destroying? And when does he start this craziness? Well, that's what our series is all about. Here is our opening statement that we need to make sure everyone understands, because the whole mini-series is based around this paragraph. And it reads, Identity is the door to your earthly destiny, and for all of us, our eternal destiny. Now, what we have to think about here is what? is in our mind throughout the day is this confession. So if you're going through your day and and you are having these these many battles with the killer, with the thief, with the one who destroys, and the application of, of dealing with this being that has mastered the art of these three If you're battling it with the indwelling life of Jesus Christ, you're in good shape. I don't care what your circumstances are and how heavy they are, you're in good shape. But if you're not, and you're battling it with self-effort, and you're battling it with manipulation, and you're battling it with all these other external or even internal ways of trying to deal with the enemy, I got a little secret for you. Listen very carefully. I have a little secret for you. Listen. Fighting the devil with the devil's tools is the greatest trap of Christianity. And if you think that by using psychology or psychobabble or self-talks or self prayers and I will explain we're having a message coming up soon on self prayers they have nothing to do with the sovereign indwelling life of Jesus Christ they have to the do of stealing from God's righteousness and statements of truth and pounding them into our reality that is not indwelling prayers Well, that's what I'm talking about is using his techniques and using his methods of madness to stop madness. He's laughing at you, But it does confess destiny. Now, how can I be an indwelt believer and know that I am going to heaven and get trapped in this destiny thing? Do you realize that an indwelt believer can spend their entire lives, which is only a vapor will will give us that. We can spend our entire lives in defeat, in fighting the devil with the devil's tools, and never experience proper destiny on earth. Now here's the biggie. The testimony is in the destiny confession. Identity is the key to the decisions that you are going to make the rest of today, tomorrow, and the next day, and the days to come. The actions that you will carry out, and ultimately it actually reveals the confession of who you really believe your God is. Now I know, the Lord's already told me, That on this particular message, there's going to be so many people nodding their heads yes, but they have no clue what the Lord is about to tell you tonight. You see, we are so quick to confess who our God is and what our destiny is and whatever, but we're not really quick to understand the details in our lives that are confessing something else that is not just appalling to God, they're repulsive to God. And he will not answer self-life prayers. He won't do it. I don't care how strong and powerful you are. He won't do it. He only answers prayers that are requested by the Holy Spirit. So we need to be trained and taught to join the Holy Spirit in this inner prayer and relationship that's going on. When we start sucking from the dynamics and the truths of the living God and putting them in us and applying them, we are leaving the Holy Spirit out. We're not joining the Holy Spirit. We need to find out where the Holy Spirit is moving and breathing and talking with the living Christ we need to find out what's going on between those two. Because the Holy Spirit is the perfect representation of Jesus Christ. So you can actually quote those verses and say, Christ lives in me. The Holy Spirit has become 100% in and out identified with the identity Of the living God. And that's why we can say Christ lives in us. There is no difference because the very spirit that lives inside Jesus lives inside us. It is the spirit that confesses. Are you with me? It is the spirit that does the confessing. So the more we are in tune with the inner life of Jesus Christ the more the confessions is truly confessing that not only our destiny, but it's confessing the very life of the one living inside of us. We have so much given to us, it is way beyond our physical and mental capacity to be able to embrace it. It's too much. Those of you who have been to the edge of death and come back, and I'm talking about they flatlined you. You understand what I'm saying. You you have this, this snapshot of the frailty of humanness, but yet the power of the living God says, Not today. There is this moment of confession. Let's take a look at where we're going tonight. Those of you who are just joining the podcast, we want to welcome you to the Identity Theft Series. This is number six. Tonight, the title is called The Identity Thief Plants Childhood Manipulation. Satan lies to the children to be obscure or too obscure truth. What in the world does that mean? Now I used a word that's typically hard to understand for most people, but I did a pretty intensive study on this word the past couple weeks. It will bend your mind what's behind this word. So let's take a look at it. The difference between persuasion and manipulation is not whether your intentions are noble, but whether you're revealing or obscuring the truth. Now, I know, and so do you, know some extremely persuasive preachers, right? but they obscure the truth. They have thousands and millions of people that are saying hallelujah, jumping out of their chairs, raising their hands toward Jesus, and doing all of these highly religious outward confessions about praising Jesus for what they're hearing out of someone who is simply manipulating them with persuasion. You see, I want a release of life. I want people to sense there's some kind of exposure of the life of Jesus Christ happening here in this teacher tonight and with teachers all over the world. Not to persuade them to believe external knowledge because if I remember correctly, there's someone who is really good at that. Let's dice him up a little bit. So what does it really mean to be obscure? Does anyone want to take some guesses to be hidden? What if you found out that one of the old, 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 old meanings, obscure means to take away one's security by lying. It's very purposeful. Now, can people be obscure and not do it on purpose? Yeah, probably. But on the most part, they are purposing to be obscure. So what that means, if we sat down one of these leaders who is very good at persuasion of knowledge, but not so good at revealing truth, which is revealing Christ... And we had this little talk with them about, or even asking them the question, why are you so obscure? If they're fairly acknowledged in the word, they would probably start debating the word. That's obscure. You won't come out and just say, I just don't get it. I am suffering. I cannot get through this situation. So what they do is they bait you to get the knowledge out of you so they pocket this great advice and go away and deal with it with themselves, with God. But see, it starts with obscurity. It's baiting. It's testing people to see what they think, see what they're feeling. It's satanic. I'll tell you again it is satanic for you to bait people. In fact, you're turning the hand of God back on you when you bait people, to be honest with you. You're turning God's hand back on you. Because God is not interested in giving you knowledge through obscurity. God is interested in delivering you with the truth that will set you free, which is Jesus Christ. Because the obscurity... The sin of Satan's personality is gone. It's been removed. Obscurity is his personality trait that he depends on. When they say you can't make a pathway through a bowl of jello, well, that's 90% of my counselees. Because of obscurity. You see, when you should be able to make your pathway through that person's life and they feel it. And they're sharing it with you. But you can see the pathway. But when you can't, and their life just kind of folds in around it after you give them counsel that came from the throne of God, problem. Obscure is satanic. No other way to get around it. Once indwelt, the believer can grasp what the New Testament provides for us in Christ. I mean, this to me is a miracle. That a true, unindwelt believer, they're called Christ followers. A Christ follower can read the New Testament and think they're getting something out of it because they are using logical or, or deductive logic in studying the New Testament. To have the indwelling life of Jesus Christ, who, if I remember correctly, said, for I am the Word. To have the Word of God living and breathing inside of you, and then to read the New Testament... You, you, you won't be able to stay in your, stay in your chair because of the constant sparking of reality from the heaven, from the throne, from the very foundation of the living God. That's called an aha, if you ask me. So, for me to live is Christ. There's our confession. So, of course, which is Christ in you, and you in Christ, and Christ our life, and the abiding in Christ are literal. You see, we are abiding in Christ, and if you think of that whole grape vine illustration, even though there are separate pieces, you got the fruit, you have the branches, you have the vine. You have the soil. You have the root system. You have this caretaker of the vineyard. And so forth and so on. They all need to work together in perfect harmony for you to get some quality grapes out of the deal. That's what's being revealed to us here. They all have to work together in harmony. Not in studying it and stealing these truths and somehow trying to get them applied to your life. Boy, is there something wrong with that picture. If the identity thief can destroy this truth in the worldview of a child, he wins, hands down, the rest of that child's life. You see, any good Satanist knows what I'm saying is the absolute truth. They know it better than you. This is very, very important for us to understand these little techniques that Satan uses with children because they will struggle the rest of their lives obscuring truth, manifesting the very characteristics of Satan's personality. That's what you guys are looking forward to. Unless something very different happens. So we need to dice it up and take a look at it. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21 tells us this. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth uh, derives its name. And He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with the power through His Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge and that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. Quit praying to an external Jesus for Pete's sake. He lives inside you. Just talk. We have all of this ready to work within us. Powerful stuff in this little passage. I would definitely take some time to let the Spirit comb over it with you in your private time to him be the glory in the church in christ jesus to all generations forever and ever amen there is so much in this passage in fact that passage for this message is the formula of the exchange life that's the formula God is a master of codes, which means formulas. You put things in pieces, not to obscure the truth, but to slowly reveal the truth and end the Bible with the book of the Revelation. Revelation is very unusual because it's Hebrew and Greek. It's the third language. It's a very unusual combination. And that's how He ends it all? Uh Uh-huh. Do you think God hides the truth from people? All day long. 24-7. He even hides it from Jesus. Oh, Son. For you don't know the day nor the hour either. I'll give it to you. When it's time. Is that obscuring? No, that is sovereign control. Do you tell your children all of the nitty-gritty, nasty details of life when they're little like this? No. That's called wisdom. It's not obscuring. Obscuring is more evil. So, let's take a look at it. Identity Thief Plants 14 Childhood Manipulations. 14 Childhood Manipulations. Number one, the process of teaching young children how to obscure, hide the true intent, meaning in communication. Making the message confusing, willfully ambiguous. Or harder to understand. Resulting in talking in circles that has no destination. That's the difference. You see, even the Bible is written and laid out in such a way there are coded things in there. There are pieces of Christ revealing himself from, from Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation. They're all building upon one another and revealing pieces of truth according to our ability to be able to behold it. It's not obscuring it. Oh, that's not Satan's goal. He doesn't want you to see the truth. Period. So he pulls off this technique and he starts it with children. Have you ever heard your child tell you something? And you know it's not the truth but yet they believe that they're telling you the truth because they're just giving you pieces, hoping that you'll be content with those pieces. When in reality, there's so much more behind those pieces. In their eyes, they're saying, I'm not lying to you. They actually need to be formulated for concrete operation. They need to be formulated in believing that not telling you the whole truth is not lying. And once that's in concrete, they'll go through their entire life not speaking the entire truth. So one ounce short in truth is a lie. That's it. I just gave you Satan's greatest plan. Just reach in and take 1% out of pure, unadulterated Truth. It's now a lie. And now he's going, hmm, I've got to find a way to train up the children in the way they should not go. Then when they get old, they'll, I'll forget who they are. To try to get the children to to go in circles, but not really going anywhere. They're aimless, right? They're wandering. Going from the next flesh bag to the next flesh bag. Very effective. Number two, worldview poisoning. The process of defiling young children with a view of God's world with a poisoned satanic view through His substitutes that will harm their view of Jesus Christ. hmm. It can be in the form of parental talk, books, music, video games or whatever the case may be, defiling conversations, bad friends. You hang around with a mirrored image of Satan, you're going to start looking like one. So to take the one holiday of Halloween, for example... It has been in our culture for so long. But with the Christ followers, it is it is to be expected that they literally start walking out the culture that Satan has firmly planted into the world through holidays and books and music and whatever the case may be. Surveys show that well over 80% of Christ's followers still listen to secular satanic music because they still love their old groups. Any muse muse dash ic means spirit guide. Whatever muse I know you're probably thinking of the clown with the you know little hat thing with the little like the muse that we see in old fashioned carnivals. That's actually more of an accurate picture of the Hebrew term muse. It's a spirit guide. It's a light-hearted spirit that leads you into deeper doctrines. Music is perfect for that, and many of you are still listening to an Iron Maiden or listening to even a secular artist that sings about happy love songs. Anything you're singing about and that is not coming from the throne of God through a spirit inside the Holy Spirit, living inside a musician, music leading spirit leader, is evil. But any worship that the Holy Spirit is actually manifesting in that music leader is a spirit guide in its honest sense, leading the people. To the throne of God, right? There's not multiple types of music. There's only two. There's only two channels. This is how he does it. And then there's books, and then there's TV shows, and then there's it goes on and on and on. And he does it through the children. Let's take a look at number three. He plants primal fears. Implanting unfounded fears in a child's life, such as fear of death, fear of monsters, fear of of being entrapped, fear of being left alone, losing control, separation from loved ones, rejection, closed in spaces, or being humiliated. All of which Satan suffers with himself. The phrase, misery loves company. That's what we all call, duh. Anything that Satan is suffering with right now, and suspects that he's going to suffer with in the future, he's moving and breathing in the culture to get people to join him in the fellowship of his sufferings. Because identity is found in the fellowship of sufferance. Number four, he plants divide and conquer in the hearts and minds of children. It's called competition. The process of implanting competitive spirit of being number one. This deception is based on the element of the child must First, divide, separate themselves from the individuals they want to conquer in order to conquer these individuals. You see how he's twisted things up? So this competitive drive that children have today, we've learned to make money off of it. We've learned to turn it into careers. We've learned it into, you know, having these careers turn around and eat their lives for lunch and dinner. And then it's over. And what have they conquered? It's not what you think. Success is not what you think. And those of you who have tasted it and got the Satan cycle, you understand what I'm saying. But he gets into the hearts and minds and function of the children and he gets that whole thing going, this, this whole thing about something Jesus said and Satan was standing there listening to it and it really started to to twist him up a bit you see Satan's number 1 goal for himself is to be in first place and the only way he can get there in his illogical deceived, depraved mind is to eliminate Jesus Christ, to separate himself from Jesus Christ. And he did that quite successfully. Now Jesus Christ is a competition. He's competing for the Christ of the world. Well, see, his Satan cycle is going to show him something that's going to be a little bit alarming someday when he gets to that point of thinking he's going to be able to obtain this success, he's going to somehow have this this epiphany that Jesus Christ is the head of the universe. (laughs) And this marble is not a real big deal in it. Can you imagine that defeat, that moment where he realizes, I have been fighting for my entire life being to gain control over this little marble and Jesus Christ, the one I've been competing with, is going to toss this marble into outer darkness while it's on fire. But the reality is he doesn't get that. You have more understanding of what I just said than he does. But he was standing there listening to Jesus say something. That just had to get at the very core of his being. Because it's his drive. And Jesus said this, For the first shall be last. And the last shall be first. Hmm. Can you imagine what was going through that Depraved mind of his when he heard that? The very thing of all of you professional sports people are pushing for, you are going to get to this point where God's going to turn that whole system on you and you're going to be suffering and defeat and a broken body and a broken mind and a broken spirit and you're going to end up with absolutely nothing. You'll be in last place no but for some reason that doesn't affect them as they're spending all their money time and effort to strive to the top same thing happens in ministry I look at some of these persuasive preachers out there and I go you just don't even realize you're going to end up at the bottom so Lord keep me at the bottom what kind of prayers that do you defeat his preacher? Stay small, Paul. And Paul did stay small. He was beaten times without number. He was tortured by the enemy. He was constantly under distress. then he had the pressure of the church on him, shipwrecked so many times to the edge of death and back so many times he forgot to he couldn't count it anymore because God was keeping his commitment to the word of Jesus Christ, Paul, if you want to be great, you must become the lesser of the brethren. Do you want this or not? Yes, I do. So the lesser he becomes, the greater he is known in the demonic world. Oh, I know Paul and I know Jesus Christ, but who are you? Identity. It's what frightens the enemy. Stay small, Paul. If you don't make choices to say stay small, Paul, I'm going to make you small because I need to keep my word and keeping you at the bottom. So when Paul came out with this statement after being tortured by a demon, that's what the messenger of Satan is in that passage. To keep me, Paul, from exalting myself, there was given to me a messenger of Satan to buffet me. And of course, the famous verse that came out of that whole thing, we have it on postcards, we have it in songs and whatever, and people have no clue what they're saying. And that is when Jesus said, For my grace is sufficient for you, Paul, for power is perfected. Identity is perfected in weakness. Therefore, you see, if, if Paul was led into the fellowship of Christ's sufferings, here's what we're saying Paul is being led into the sufferings of Christ's identity. Jesus had to be beaten down to be in last place, laughed, scoffed at, spit on, kicked at, teased, suffering, all things before he could take first place. And we're to join that? If we were honest, we would be able to embrace the true reality of what God is saying through the Spirit, but honestly speaking, it's too much. So he indoctrinates the children. There is a biblical truth regarding demonic doctrines, period. Period. Satan has his own doctrines and he knows that the child will not function by them until he indoctrinates them with which his demons themselves actually live by. And this is done through every form of training up the child in the way that they should not go. You look at some Christian Christ follower families and you go, why in God's name are you allowing your children to read that book? I mean, you see it. You're like It's like, these two don't go together. Probably true. But we do it. You know, when the Harry Potter series came out, the church tried to boycott it? Because it was so evil? Guess what? It's just as popular in the church now than out of the church. Same thing with the superheroes. And, 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 and. How does this happen? Indoctrination through the children. Number six. He trains the child in controlled opposition. There's a difference between just being opposite and controlled opposition. One is very manipulative. The process of teaching a child to deliberately attempt to either create an opposing effort in any existing power base or to obtain control of any opposition to the one using self-effort. Most activists or protest groups thrive on this. The stuff that they've got written on their Banners, their picket signs. Honestly, they're not that bad. Love, peace. They could finish and go, patience, patience. Kindness, kindness, joy. They could keep on going with the list if they want. But see, that's not the intent. This love group that is out there is not interested in love. They're interested in conquering a political issue that's related. And loosening people up to love, 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 you can get your policy through because you've loosened the voter up. That's how it works. That's obscurity. It's manipulative. It's very powerful. And if it didn't work, people wouldn't do it. The mall in Washington, D.C. wouldn't fill up three times a week. You see, it wouldn't work. But it does work. Because these little kids grew up with this stuff. These 14 big manipulations that Satan has got going. Just to remind you before we quit tonight, this is a diagram you guys are fairly familiar with. This is the natural man walking in the flesh. This is an unsaved person. All of your children are born unsaved. Satan knows that better than you do. They are an open book to him. They are a hard drive that has only the basic functional data to make the machine work. It is his responsibility, as he knows, to program that hard drive. So he starts putting stuff on this hard drive. So he takes the world, your flesh, And him, the devil, he's his external influence through demonic imagery, and that's books, music, cartoons, etc. And he gets that stuff into the conscious mind. It floats around in that child's mind. Their old nature is what is in charge here, so he's got that down. The reinforcement, the leadership from within is already in place. So it rolls around, then they fall asleep at night, and they have nightmares. And here's basically what we're saying to the children, if we don't really tell them the truth, like we're presenting tonight, is it's, it's okay, honey, you'll get used to the demonic images. Yeah. Yeah, after a while, you know, dreams are dreams, and nightmares are nightmares, and you know, it's got nothing to do with the devil feeding your mind with his graven imagery. That's kind of what we're saying. Your children have these mirish night sweats because they're confessing the truth of what's happening to them. The enemy is programming that mind through things, stuff they hear, stressing their marriage. Stressing. You can't imagine what that little mind's trying to process. And then they have a bad dream or there's a monster under their bed. There is. And the sooner you realize that, that there's monsters under their bed, the sooner you're going to start protecting them with the truth. You'll do the right kind of warring. How we ever got to the point of psycho babbling nightmares and monsters is just beyond my mind. It's like every child suffers with monsters under the bed. No, they don't. There are homes that are girded up and protected and filled with truth. And when the enemy does slip a good one in through the neighbor, through a television commercial, through a whatever, there's immediate battling that can be done to secure that child's mind, obscure, to keep the security of truth guiding and directing that child. So when they go to sleep at night, all that gets settled into here. Why? Simple. So that he can call it to mind someday when he needs it. So when some preacher comes out with these strong words in his sermon and that adult is sitting there going, this guy's over the edge. Surely it's not that crazy out there. Here's a real devil? There's real demons that come in through my house? Listen, listener. You believe that there's pictures running through your living room that your phone can pick up and bring that image in front of you within split seconds, but you don't believe there's demons rushing through your house? What is wrong with you? There is a spirit world out there, and the enemy is working diligently at bringing it to your doorstep. And then number seven, we'll do the other seven next week, Number seven is, he infuses the child with a love for money. Since the love of money is the root of all evil, the love for money will produce in the child an open door of all kinds of evil. Now, that's not proper deduction. That's just the truth. So, if your children are working to get money so they can spend money to go buy treats, you're guilty of this. You've literally led your child into one of the most evil manifestations of Satan. It is God that looked at Satan and said, For the root of all of your evil is because of your love for money and possessions. Satan is evil because of his love for money. And I'm not the one saying that to you. That is right out of the word of God. For the love of money is the root of all evil. Keep in mind that this area of life is one of the top three positions of the triune of Satan. We have Satan himself, the Antichrist. We have the false prophet, head of religion. And we have the beast, which is the economy. So he's going to hit those three pretty heavy in all of his areas of building manipulation into a child's life. Here's our identity statement for tonight. 1 Samuel 15:23 For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as the sin of idolatry. Because though thou rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. Manipulation is the skillful handling, controlling, or using of something or someone. It is the end result of craftiness, which I think we just read as witchcraft. So craftiness is considered covert rebellion. And rebellion is the sin of witchcraft, which means the deeds of devils. So when your children are rebelling... They're practicing sorcery. The thing is, is that we're born sinners. So we need to be delivered from this manipulator, this indoctrinator. So there's no writing these notes down and applying them in your life. There will be no freedom in that. It is first coming back to you answering the question, am I a Christ follower? Do I hate Christ? Or... Am I indwelt by Him? If you're indwelt by Him, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit that lives inside you, wants you to wake up and have a little revival now. Let that revival kindle afresh the very investment that God has made in you. And as you're in a parental situation with your grandchildren or your children or a spiritual child, which I have many of those... Wisdom that comes from the mind of Christ will give the right answer. You've been listening to Identity Matters Podcast. We appreciate having you join us today. Feel free to log on to our website at www.iomamerica.org. We have lots of resources available for you on the believer's identity in Christ. Again, thank you for joining us.